It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Wednesday, which means we've got another crossover podcast for you, previewing Monday Night Football Bears versus Redskins. I'm Lauren Cox, the host of Locked On Bears, here with Chris Russell, the host of Locked On Redskins. And Chris, I know it's been a real tough start to the season for Washington. Obviously, not having uh, Alex Smith to start the season and an 0 2 start hasn't been particularly incredible for the Chicago Bears either. I think both teams coming into this game uh, performing below expectations. Yeah, no doubt. And good to be with you, Lauren. Um, you know, clearly the Redskins were hoping for a one and one start inside the division. Uh, clearly they lost to two very uh, or much more talented teams. Let's start with that. Uh, and they had a ton of injuries on defense, which was supposed to be their calling card. And yet here we are, 0-2. Uh, and now you have a ferocious defense coming in Chicago to FedEx Field on a Monday night where the Redskins haven't won since 2014, meaning a Monday night football game. And historically, they've been awful, uh, not only on, again, Monday nights, but also Monday nights at FedEx Field. Uh, so the stage is pretty much set for the Bears to um, have a little fun on Monday night football. But that's why we play the games. Yeah, and I, I look at this Washington team, and there's you know little little areas to, to be excited about. I mean, there's there's clearly some some talent deficiencies, a lot of which is injury based here. But you know, there's there's young players across the roster that I think can give your fan base some hope and feel like there's still some you know opportunity for that team to continue to get better. I mean, is there for based on what you've seen through the first two games, like you said, a couple of pretty quality NFC East opponents that, you know, maybe you might expect to have struggled in those games. I mean, is there reason to feel like week three could be an opportunity for Washington to turn around and and what might that look like? Yeah, so I I think, well, you know, we should probably start here. Again, I mentioned their defense has gotten lit up like a Christmas tree, 32 points to the Eagles, 31 points uh, to the Cowboys. And, You know, they played well in stretches for a quarter and a half, the first quarter and a half defensively against the Philadelphia Eagles and the first quarter and change against the Dallas Cowboys. And then it just all falls apart. They can't get off the field on third down. Uh, They can't get stops when they need them. Uh, They haven't been able to get enough pass rush, bunch of injuries. So the the hope for optimism would be, hey, we're not playing the juggernaut Cowboys and all of their weapons. And we're not playing Deshaun Jackson, who they couldn't cover. Um, you know, in any way, shape, or form against the Philadelphia Eagles, we're now taking on Mitch Trubisky, which I'm sure we're going to get into, Allen Robinson and, you know, Burton and Taylor Gabriel and more, I don't want to be rude here, but more pedestrian-like offensive talent as compared to what they have faced the first two weeks. So that's the reason 
for optimism because I don't honestly learn. I, I don't see a whole lot of optimism for how the offense of the Redskins is going to be able to move the football against the Bears defense. Um, so, so I guess that the reason for optimism would be, hey, our defense can't be any worse than it's been. Maybe it'll get better against a somewhat, somewhat pedestrian offense. Yeah, and the Bears' offense has been the main issue this season, right? And I think from the other side, I think Bears fans look at this game as the game the Bears' offense can get back on track closer to what we had seen last year. Like week one against the the Green Bay Packers, the Bears could only put up three points and it couldn't really finish drives or ever really get into too much of a rhythm. They kind of abandoned the running game despite never trailing by more than seven points, and it just kind of felt like a bit of an all-around offensive disaster given people were expecting a much bigger step from Mitchell Trubisky in year two. And we can get into some of the nuances of that in a little bit. But, you know, it's sort of these these small step forward from week one to week two and feeling like the offense had some more balance and a little bit more rhythm to it. And then, you know, Washington seemingly being the opportunity for the Bears offense to get back on track while their defense continues to face a Washington offense that doesn't scare them a ton. You know, it does feel like there's there's some similarities in how these two teams feel in that regard of like, okay, the, the opposing offense that we're facing this week isn't going to give us too much trouble. So it's just a question of can you know our own offense from the team's perspective get enough going against this opposing defense. And I, I, I you know, Bears fans are obviously going to feel pretty confident in their defense being the better one in this game. But, you know, Washington's got pieces, right? I mean, they got like I was saying, young guys on both sides of the ball. I've been so impressed with Terry McLaurin at wide receiver, and well, you know we'll get into a lot of those different facets. But I, I think, I, I just don't. Th- I think this should be considered a, a potential trap game. The Bears, after maybe struggling a little bit more than we expected in the first couple of games, I don't think the Bears can feel too. You know, shouldn't get overly confident all of a sudden, even though Washington is an zero two team. Yeah, no, it's interesting that you say all that because I I totally agree. And actually, I was relieved from a Redskins perspective that the Bears won last week in Denver because, you know, you know how it is. If you're 0-2 and facing an 0-3 start to your season, especially if you're a team like the Bears who made the playoffs last year uh, and did what they did last year and then lost in such heartbreaking fashion or breaking fashion, you wouldn't want a ravenous, hungry, starving Bears team again coming to – FedEx field, which I expect to be filled with Bears fans um, because Redskins fans are tapped out for the most part, especially, um, you know, especially for primetime games, quite honestly, on a Monday night uh, like this one is, Um, you know, so so to me, I actually think it's a break for the Redskins that the Bears aren't absolutely starving for a win here. Uh, It'll be really interesting to see how this game unfolds, because, again, I don't see a way that the the Redskins offense, you mentioned McLaurin, he's been their stud so far. They've missed him a couple of times uh, on deep shots. It'll be really interesting to see if they can get him open for a deep shot on a seven-step drop against that pass rush of the Bears and hold up in protection, which they've done a pretty decent job of. Um, it'll be really interesting what kind of deep shots the Redskins can execute or call in this game because of that pass rush pressure and because of the front seven of the Bears. Well, let's get into the the Washington offense against the Bears defense here. You know, we talked a little bit about McLaren, but, you know, a guy who has had a lot of success 
in Chicago and against the Bears throughout his career. Adrian Peterson has been a Bears killer for a long time, but this is not the same Adrian Peterson that was tearing up the Bears in Minnesota, but it's also it's also not the Bear, the same Bears defense that Adrian Peterson was facing back in those days. You know, he is 34. He kind of started the season on the bench behind Darius Geis and, and not getting a lot of action behind Chris Thompson as well, but Geis goes down and it seems... Am I correct that Peterson is now sort of the the top rushing offense? And what have what have we what have we seen from him in terms of what he can still offer this Redskins offense? No, so it, it's interesting. Last year he came here with you know very little expectation because he came here midway through training camp after their two top backs got injured, and then he kind of took uh, the offense by storm, and he was largely the offense racking up you know, a total of 1,250 total yards, eight touchdowns. There were games, Lauren, where, where he was kind of invisible. And and I blame that more on the offensive line than some others. And then there were games and there were moments where Adrian Peterson was the Adrian Peterson that you're kind of talking about uh, from torturing the Bears and torturing the entire NFL when he was absolutely in his prime with the Minnesota Vikings. So you never quite know exactly what you're going to get. Here's what we know. Jay Gruden, the Redskins head coach, and therefore their play caller, is not really in on Adrian Peterson. And I see I see Jay Gruden trying to move the ball through the air and trying to attack the Bears secondary, uh, despite the pass rush, more than I see him trying to be patient and set up the run. He does not want Adrian Peterson to run wide or east-west. He wants Adrian Peterson to hit the hole. He calls it north and south. I don't know why we call it north and south because we certainly won't don't want running backs running south or, you know, away from the line of scrimmage. Um, so, you know, he, he, that's what he wants. And if he doesn't see that early and if he doesn't see some holes and some creases and the Redskins being able to hold up at the point of attack, he'll quickly abandon uh, Adrian Peterson. What's up, guys? It's Chris Russell locked on Redskins. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? That's right. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed, fellas. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, and you can be ready to go whenever the opportunity comes about. If you could benefit from a little extra function, fellas, and more confidence where it matters, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. If you visit bluechew.com, you get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code locked on. Just pay $5 shipping again. That's B L U E chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. Get it now, guys. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You tell me, I mean, you know, that defensive line, I know Eddie Goldman's, uh, you know, a big boy and, you know, obviously Akeem Hicks has been, you know, pretty good for a while here. And of course we all know about Khalil Mack and the linebackers flowing to the football. Um, do they have any chance to run against the Chicago Bears front? I think it's a good idea to try. Right? And that, that can only get you so far. But I, I think there's, at times last season, there were vulnerabilities in the running game, especially when the defense gets tired. You know, if you can keep some long drives going, and especially if the Bears' offense continues to flounder a bit and the time of possession can kind of shift away from Chicago. When the defense gets stuck on these long drives, sometimes they can get a little bit sloppy and get a little bit tired out. We saw a little bit of that last week against Denver in the altitude. You know, Khalil Mack had to come off for some snaps and the linebackers had to do some rotating and you know, just trying to get different bodies in there to keep fresh sets of legs in that front seven. So there's some opportunity there and I do think it's particularly, it can be effective in neutralizing the pass rush when you talk about being able to run play action off of that and and just throw different looks at this defense that they can't just be fully attacking downhill on every snap. But I I wouldn't expect Washington to be able to rely on the running game as the primary focal point of their offense. But I think if they can sprinkle it in there enough to make the Bears respect Adrian Peterson when he's in the game, I, I can, you know, I can see that being somewhat effective of a deterrent for the defense. But it would seem to me that between Peterson and Chris Thompson in this Washington backfield, you know, Thompson, obviously the, the receiving option, they've been giving him a lot of snaps and throwing him the ball quite a bit. From a, from a play-calling standpoint, do they end up kind of getting predictable in the sense that, like, when Peterson's in the game, they're running the ball the majority of the time, and when Thompson's in the game, they're throwing the ball the majority of the time? And, and that's what Jay Gruden is trying to avoid. Now, they do have a different offensive coordinator, a new offensive coordinator in Kevin O'Connell, a former NFL quarterback who's very, very, very highly regarded, not only in the Redskins organization, but also around the NFL. And, you know, I think he'll be a head coach soon, much sooner than later. Um, you know, and they've run a lot out of or they've run a lot more 11 personnel sets, uh, even more than they did last year. Uh, week one, they were 95 percent out of 11 personnel of their snaps. Uh, I don't know the week two numbers. I haven't looked those uh, quite up yet, but they were in it a bunch. I can tell you that much. So they're trying to become less predictable when Adrian Peterson is on, because like you said, when, when Chris Thompson's back there, you know, that not that they're definitely going to pass, but you know, he's going to be in there on third down. You know, they're going to pass for the most part, unless it's a third and one third and two. Sometimes they'll give him like a little inside trap or an inside zone give or something like that. But Again, largely, you know, um, you know, with Peterson that there's a likelihood, a likelihood, especially on first down, that they're going to go run with him. Um, you know, again, I think they're trying to be less predictable. It's a good thing that they're trying to be less predictable because, quite honestly, their tendencies have been way too easy for defensive opponents to figure out in years past. So. Uh, But I also think that's part of the reason why Jay Gruden bristled at having Adrian Peterson even active in week one. And as it turned out on the roster, uh, as it turned out, it's actually a good thing because Geis got hurt is he feels Geis gave him that positional versatility where it wasn't basically an obvious tip. Oh, hey, Geis is in the backfield. It's going to be run. 
you know, like he felt like he had that dual versatility where he feels like he has it less with Adrian Peterson. And I know we've been focusing a lot on the running game here, but I, I was curious about Case Keenum. You know, it seemed like Chris Thompson was a go-to dump off for him, obviously out of the backfield, but you kind of see his box score numbers and you see almost 70% completion and five touchdowns, no interceptions and a pretty darn good passer rating. But at the same time, it's not resulting in a lot of, I mean, overall, there's some offensive output, but it's not, I don't know that it's been like game changing throws. I mean, from a, is he pretty much from a game management standpoint, taking what the defense gives him? Because, you know, I look at the Bears, that's sort of been their their MO. There's, they'll let you move the ball between the 20s or at least sort of between, you know, up to the 40 and, and the borderline field goal range. And then the Bears defense is where they really kind of clamp down in, in scoring situations and, and keep teams from putting too many points on the board. But they will give you some of those yards if you just sort of kind of take it easy, take the little check downs and kind of let your running backs make plays. And, and, you know, I know they've been hitting McLaurin on some deeper stuff, but it's kind of, from what I can tell, it's been a lot of Chris Thompson and then a little bit of uh, Vernon Davis over, or, or Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis over the middle and trying to do things that way. Is Do, do I have much of a, a good sense of that? Or what has made Case Keenum as effective as he's been? So, you know, let, let's start with this. You're absolutely right about the, the deep shots to McLaurin. They, they've hit on one. Uh, they've missed on two. And b- quite honestly, all three should have been touchdowns if they were, you know, if, if the last two uh, that weren't touchdowns that were incompletions were thrown better, uh, they should have been seven in each case. Um, so that's been the really exciting part of this offense. Uh, you mentioned the tight end situation, Vernon Davis. You know, Jordan Reed was expected to play week one, was expected to play week two, hasn't played in either. We, you know, you just never know with a concussion, but maybe with an extra day uh, here, he might be able to make his return. Who knows? I can't spend a whole lot of time on that, Lauren, just because I don't know, you know, if he's going to have another setback like he did uh, last week. But here's the one thing that that I would say. They've done, in my opinion, a better job of this year is they've thrown a little bit more of the natural running back screen as opposed to just constantly looking deep, coming middle, and then checking it down when all else fails. And when I say that, I mean, you you know this because Nagy comes from Andy Reid's system and you're going to throw the natural running back screens. And it's something I've been begging Uh, the Washington Redskins to do a little bit more of, and they have started to do a little bit more of that. Then they sprinkled in um, something that, again, is very uh, really kind of started emanating from the Andy Reid, Kansas City, and Philadelphia system, the jet sweeps uh, and the jet action and the eye candy, as I call it, um, where they've been able to sprinkle in a young kid named Steven Sims Jr. who's got a ton of speed and is more of a gadget-type weapon at this point. They've been able to sprinkle him in a little bit. They got away from it the other day against the Dallas Cowboys. So there are some new elements to this offense that they've, you know, kind of put in. Um, But I would still say in general, they are an offense that wants to go high to low first. And I think Case Keenum is capable of making a lot of big throws. And I've seen him make every throw between training camp preseason and the the NFL regular season so far. It's just a matter of he's a little inconsistent. He's a little bit of a roller coaster, which I'm going to stop talking and, and basically ask you the same about Mitch Trubisky, because that's what I sense from Trubisky. 
is that he, while he's still learning his way, he's going to, he, you know, he, he, he's, he's going to take some deep shots. And if he hits it, great. But for the most part, right, he's, are, are they trying to keep him more low to intermediate? Or how are they kind of processing the offense with Trubisky in year three and year two under Nagy? Well, you read my mind because that's exactly where I was going to kind of go from there. And certainly Trubisky hasn't shown the development that I think everyone was expecting. And the Bears were kind of, I don't want to say hyping, but they were talking a lot about how now he's in, you know, 202 of the offense. He was 101 last year, 202 this year. And we haven't really seen that take the shape on the field. That they've been trying to kind of take things simple with him. A lot of run pass options, a lot of quick reads where he's not reading a full field and going through a full progression, but it's sort of a, a snap. And then, you know, you have two receivers to one side and you're kind of picking one of those. And, you know, as the play, as the game goes on, maybe they'll open things up a little bit, but trying to kind of manufacture open receivers and, and throws that doesn't challenge him to have to think too much or to try too hard. Because one of the issues he comes in when, you know, you see him make mistakes is when he tries too hard, when he wants to make the play, he wants to be the hero and throw the ball up into the end zone into double coverage and get picked off or, you know, force it across his body as he's rolling out of the pocket and underthrow receiver and, you know, hits a Green Bay Packers defender in the hands and he drops it like in week one. And so when, when you sort of take his brain out of it a little bit and just kind of let him play football, there's, there's some real nice throws that you can kind of take away from it and, and see that potential in the young quarterback. But like you were described with Keenum, it's there's a bit of a roller coaster in that, quite a few ups and downs. And I think the coaching staff is just trying to manage what they can and can't expect and ask of him. And, you know, in his defense, you know, they played Vic Fangio's defense last week in Denver, which is a well-coached and a coach that is very familiar with how to neutralize Mitchell Trubisky. And then Green Bay's defense is continuing to sort of ascend, and they've always had some historic success against Bears quarterbacks. So, you know, there's reason to think maybe if Washington doesn't have as much talent there that Trubisky could have a little bit more success. But the Bears' offensive line seemed to improve last week. The running game was, was better last week, and they just stuck to it. So less pressure on Mitchell Trubisky to do too much, and they really did sort of revert to him as a game manager. And it's why they only had three points through most of that game, or, or six points because of the, the field goals through most of that game. But uh, fourth and 25, or fourth and 15 with 10 seconds left, he stepped up and hit a 25-yard pass to Allen Robinson to set up the game-winning field goal. So like the, you get those moments in there of like, wow, Mitchell Trubisky can make all the throws. But we haven't gotten that for four quarters, and we usually only get it for maybe one quarter, and it's worked out more often than it hasn't so far, but he, he's been tested and, and hasn't always passed. Guys, it's Chris Russell here, Locked on Redskins. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Who doesn't like to get paid when you get a W? Let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. So I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them and my bookie if they weren't the best. Simply do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always take the other side. So you have in-game wagering. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, 
You'll multiply your winnings. The NFL season is, of course, the best time of the year. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On, and visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. I think the Redskins in this game, Lauren, uh, they're going to struggle to cover Allen Robinson. I, I mean, I know he might not be as explosive as he used to be in Jacksonville pre-ACL. Uh, and you tell me, maybe I'm missing. Um, maybe he is. I, I don't know. Uh, the bottom line is, is Josh Norman has been absolutely brutal. He cannot run with any elite receiver, any really good receiver at all. They've had miscommunication breakdowns. So I can see Trubisky... If he's on and if they give him a little bit of time against a Redskins defense that hasn't generated enough pressure that at least over the first two games missing their best defensive lineman, he should be back in Jonathan Allen. If he gets time, uh, Allen Robinson is going to be able to get over, in my opinion. And it might not be just Allen Robinson. I mean, it could be Taylor Gabriel, who I know has speed. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, Corderell Patterson on a trick play or, or or a broken play or, or something like that where this Redskins defense gets gashed and all of a sudden everybody's like whoa Mitch Trubisky Mitch Trubisky has you know taken that next step and I don't know if it'll be because of him or if it'll be because of the Redskins defense breaking down communication wise or simply because they don't have enough healthy bodies on the back end well, and some breaking news while we're recording this Crossover Wednesday podcast. ESPN is reporting that the Redskins are planning to sign former Buccaneers outside linebacker Noah Spence to add to that pass rush. So between Spence and Ryan Kerrigan and uh, Sean Dion Hamilton and well, even Josh Harvey Clemens, I mean, you, any more, uh, or excuse me, Ryan Anderson and Mont I forgot about Montez Sweat in there too. Um, have they, what, what has been the issue from a pass rushing standpoint? Has it just been... Guys aren't winning their one-on-one -on -one blocking, or has there, have they been more conservative in that regard? Well, I think it'll be really interesting to see how the Bears are able to handle Deron Payne in the middle of their defensive line. First-round pick a year ago out of Alabama. He has gotten off to a very good start, uh, even if the statistics don't necessarily show that. Um, he is a really tough assignment. Uh, on the interior, uh, you know, whether he's lined up over the nose or shaded. So that is one way you'll start. Now, again, he's more dominant and explosive if Jonathan Allen, who again has missed, you know, seven out of eight quarters so far for the Redskins and might be back for Monday Night Football. We just don't know at this point, uh, to kind of depending on how his sprained knee uh, works out. Look, bottom line is the Redskins strength is their defensive line, but it's also been their weakness so far this year because, again, the Allen injury and because they haven't been able to blitz and they haven't been able to crank up any pressure and exotic looks, which Jay Gruden said they need to do more of because, again, they've been so banged up on that defensive line, most notably with Allen, but really banged up so bad in the secondary. You mentioned Moreau and you mentioned 
Quentin Dunbar. Rowe hasn't played at all. Dunbar missed Sunday's game against the Cowboys and was banged up in the season opener. He's not expected to play on Monday night. He's their starting right corner. And Moreau is the guy that was supposed to start in the slot and or on the outside if Dunbar got hurt. And again, he hadn't played so far yet. So they're basically trotting out to Dominique rogers Camardi, who's A34, and B, he's got a bad leg. And they're starting free safety. Monte Nicholson is dealing with a bad foot. He had to come off the field the other day a couple of times. He did have an interception off of the deflection, but he had to come off. And that hurt them on an Amari Cooper touchdown catch because they were playing this really soft zone. So the bottom line is, is if the Redskins can get a good natural pass rush against Trubisky and against this offensive line without having the blitz, which they haven't been able to do so far, then they can, you know, then I think they'll be able to hold up on the back end better. If they have to blitz a lot and if they have to throw the kitchen sink at Trubisky to get that, that pressure, it's going to be a long night. They're going to have some success. I have no doubt about that. But they're also going to give up things on the back end because they simply cannot run with guys like Allen Robinson and some of the weapons that you guys have. Yeah, and from a Bears offensive line standpoint on the other side, it was really two very different games to start the season, so we don't know what exactly to expect in Week 3. Like Week 1 against the Packers, the offensive line could not communicate properly, could not pass off blocks on stunts, couldn't pick up blitzes correctly, and Mitchell Trubisky was under fire really the whole game. But then they go into Denver and hold Von Miller to zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries in the entire game, completely shut out Von Miller, and Bradley Chubb wasn't able to do a ton on the opposite side either. So which Bears offensive line we get in this game, we'll see, but given the Wedskin's struggles in those regards. I would expect the Bears to feel pretty confident in that matchup. Where's your confidence level overall in terms of a, a game prediction for this one as we wrap up? I get the sense from you that you have some some pretty strong hesitations here, but there's it's, of course, any given Sunday, and you never know when teams can kind of just turn things around when everything clicks against the right team. But if, if you had to put some kind of prediction one way or another, where how are you feeling for this one? This is going to be a, a game that maybe the Bears win ugly, but it's going to be one of those things where you say, okay, we're two and one after three. And now we, ha- you know, now we have the rest of our season. Now we kind of know what we are and our identity. And the Bears kind of rock and roll from here a little bit. Uh, whereas the Redskins, you know, especially if they lose, they're 0 and three. Yeah, I, I pretty well am with you step for step there. I think low scoring game, not going to be a, a big blowout either way, but I, I do think. The Bears just come in with a little bit more talent, a little bit more confidence, a little bit more reason to feel like the matchups go their way. I, I I would expect Adrian Peterson to be able to have maybe a little bit more production just because there's something about playing against the Bears where he sees those blue and orange and just gets that extra kick in his step and confidence to, to run over some guys and make some guys miss. So I would expect a, a nice back and forth, maybe a little bit low scoring, maybe a little bit ugly at times, but I, I would go with a similar score, you know, like a 2017, 2014, 17, 13 Bears victory. Chris, I appreciate you taking the time to do this crossover podcast. It's always great to get the local experts from the other team. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.